Today's message is on David, the unlikely story of a king. And today we're going to talk about David, the worshiper. And David really was a worshiper. And to do that, we brought in probably one of our favorite worshipers of all time, Mr. Brian Wurzel is in the house with us today. Yep. As most of you know, Brian was here um, a long time ago and, and took care of us here and did a great job. He's been a friend and a family member of Cornerstone ever since. He's at Hillside Community Church in California. He leads worship all over the country. But more important, he's a passionate worshiper. And he's going to lead us through a progression today of worship and what that means. So it's a little different service than you're used to, but just relax and enjoy and know that it's going to be fabulous. You know, the book of Jeremiah says this, it says, no one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. We serve a mighty God and this morning. He's worthy of our songs. He's worthy of our gathering. We're so glad that you're here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can, uh, you can be seated and I promise I won't be long because I know there's an important game coming. Really important. And you're wondering if I'm going to go long. I'm not going to go long. I promise. Uh, I just want to speak honor to your pastor and your team here at Cornerstone. Pastor Lim Winters and his wife Lisa. And uh, Gosh, do you know you're in a great church this morning? I don't know if you know that, but like you're in a really great church. You really are. This is a great church. Um, over, over, uh, gosh, I think I'm going into 13 years of full-time ministry and, um, Pastor Lynn and Pastor Brent, Pastor Chris, they schemed a plan to steal me from Southern California and to let me wander in the desert for at least a year. And that year turned into 10 years of full-time ministry work. Um, I thought I was going to be a firefighter and God had a different plan. <laughs> and so here I am 13 years later, but you serve, uh, and get to be a part of, of, of a church that has leaders that believe in young leaders, that believe in the next generation. And you're in a church this morning that cares about the community around it and cares about what's happening in the world. And I just want you to know you're in a great church this morning with some great leaders. And I think we should show them some love, show the team some love this morning. I don't know if they showed it, but they hired me when I was 14. And, uh, that was my Arizona driver's license. The first one I got, I was 20 years old and I uh, had no idea what was happening. That's me, 20 years old. A lot changes with age. And so here we are. Um, I, I also just want to let you know my wife is here with us. And so when your wife travels with you because you're doing ministry, you just want to say thanks and honor her. That's a promise. And that's our that we don't have any humans, but we treat that like a human, and uh, thus we're holding him. Um, that's our that's our three year old golden doodle that we call Parker. I'm convinced he's a toddler in a dog suit, and at any point he's going to unzip it, and he's just going to go, "I've been human the whole time, and I know everything," <laughs> and he's just going to laugh at us. So um, it, it, it's just a pleasure to be with you. I promise, and I love Cornerstone. We love Arizona, and we love the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be really good. Hey, we want to um, we want to jump right into our text um, here in just a second. And uh, if you don't know anything about me, after my ten years here, I I, uh, I we 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 had an opportunity to follow 
Aaron McCray, who was one of our pastors here at Hillside, uh, or Cornerstone, and I followed him to Hillside um, after just a year of calling uh, into a senior leadership role out at that church. And he, he's 30, he, he ended up at the church 30 miles from our house, um, like the house I grew up in. And so it was just crazy. This North Carolina boy by way of Chicago to Arizona, a stint here at Cornerstone, and God connected our paths. And then we ended up, um, again, following him out there uh, just a year after he did that. So we, we've been there two years now um, with Aaron and with the team there at Hillside Community Church where I serve as the worship pastor and it's just a great privilege. We, we sit in this pocket of Southern California where there's roughly uh, in a 15 mile radius from our church. Um, as best as we can tell, there's around 500,000 people not connected to any local church. And uh, we just feel compelled that the mission and the message of Jesus is worthy enough to carry out into the cities around us. And so we have a big dream and a big vision, and we're trying to partner with Jesus in the best way we know how to, to take the message of the gospel into the cities there in Southern California. And so Aaron says hi. He just wants you to know that he sends his love as well. Uh, we're going to open the Bible now. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can just... Open those to Psalm 103. This is where we're going to camp out. You're, you're in a series called David, the Unlikely Story of a King. And I love that title. Psalm 103 is where you're turning. If you're new to the Bible, um, if you have one with you and you don't know where it is, just, just open it up right in the middle and you should find the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 103. I love this, this, uh, this series you're in because David is, uh, in so many ways, somebody that I can relate to. He's in so many ways, uh, the kind of life that um, had its unexpected turns and twists. And he starts out as a shepherd boy, and he ends up sitting on a king's throne. And, uh, and here I am, thought I'd be a firefighter, and I'm standing on a stage <laughs> talking to you today. This is crazy, and it's so good. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 103, though. So let's do this. We're going to do some things different. I grew up in a Baptist church, and in the Baptist church, um, you stand to honor the Word of God. And so we're going to stand together to honor God's Word. It's just to, to recognize um, that it has, it has authority this morning. And so we just want to say by our, our presence and standing that we recognize, we recognize that. So read with me from Psalm chapter 103. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us as according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The winds blow over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. 
Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Will you say that with me? Praise the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Praise the Lord. And that's why we're here this morning. I'd love to pray for us. And I want to talk to you about Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl worship. Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl worship. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the way that you loved us. I feel like when I read Psalm 103, I see your life coming alive in my life in new ways. We thank you that you came to the earth and that you, you showed us a way to live. You, you gave us an opportunity to know grace and salvation. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that's here in this place. And we ask now that as we look uh, at your word, as we gather around some songs, as we gather as a community, we pray that you would uh, meet us here, that we would encounter you, because we know if we could just encounter you a little bit, that our lives could be different, and that we could leave this place changed. And that's what we want. We want to leave with a passion for you greater than the one that we came with. And it's for your glory that we pray this. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You can find your seats. Find your seats. How many of you will end up at a Super Bowl party in just a couple hours? Just a show of hands. Somebody's going to a Super Bowl party. You're hosting one this afternoon. Fantastic. Um, I heard there was like a few Patriot fans in the house. I heard there's some Seahawks fans in the house. Um, Again, that's not why we're here. It's not why we're here, but it is on our minds. Um, you know what I think is interesting about the Super Bowl party is that um, the purpose of your presence at that party this afternoon may not be connected to the purpose of the party. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like you, some of you are going, anybody just doesn't care about the Super Bowl. You literally could care less. You don't like football. Don't really know about it. Yeah. But you're still going to a Super Bowl party. You know you are. You're going to be there this afternoon. I think it's funny. I, I think that, that, that it's like an American faux pas to not go to a Super Bowl party, by the way. So if you're not going to one, that's on you. That's totally on you. But it's not indicative of your love for the game, is it? Your attendance at that party this afternoon may be because a friend invited you and you really like their house. Or they have a really sweet TV. It may be because uh, the colonel's going to be on the scene and that fried chicken is going to be up in there like you were hoping it was going to be today. And you never eat colonel's KFC chicken except for Super Bowl Sunday. You may go this afternoon because um, you, you, you just are going to check the friend box and uh, you're just showing up to show up. But it's not the purpose of the party. I don't want you to miss the point. The whole point of the Super Bowl is that there's a football game going on where somebody's going to be crowned the national champions of the National Football League. That's about to happen, but some of us are going to show up to the party today, and we're going to miss the point completely. You know, I think it's like that in church sometimes, where, where we show up to the weekend, we show up together to this place called Cornerstone. Sometimes we're not here because of the point. We're, we're here because somebody drug us here with them. You're here this morning because... It's the right thing to do to tell people that you go to church. But you're missing the point. You're missing that the point is the center of the story, and his name is Jesus. And I don't want you to miss the point this morning. The point of our gathering, the reason why we gather each week, is because we need the reminder of who God is. I need to be in community with you, to be reminded of who God is and who I am in light of who God is. And without God, without his love for us in Jesus... I'm nothing, I'm lost, I'm wandering, and so are you. And so we come with such a great purpose to gather because we need that reminder and we need perspective on his love. We need to grab a hold of the mission that he's invited us into once again and we need to encounter him through worship 
in prayer, through his word, and in community. We come together because we, we can't go at this life alone. We're not meant to do it alone. So I'm so glad that you're here. So glad that you're in the house this morning. Because you need to be here, and so do I. You know, the purpose of our presence should be connected to the purpose of the story, though. Maybe some of you showed up here, and you've just been showing up to church your whole life. It's just been part of what you do. You just kind of show up to church. You're not really engaged. Your connection to Jesus is waning at best. Or maybe you've never been connected to Jesus. What does it mean this morning to get connected to the, the purpose of our gathering Wherever you're at on the spectrum of the journey, what does it mean for you to get connected this morning as we gather to worship? When our desire is, uh, when our when our desire to engage in worship both daily and corporately is waning, it's important for us to remember what God has done. And I love this song we're about to sing together. I think it it, it so articulates the idea of worship that I hope you'll gather this morning as you leave. And it says this. Matt Redman, the songwriter, talks about worship. He says, worship is our response to the revelation of God. He reveals majesty and we bow down in our hearts in reply. He shows us his mercy. The reflex of our souls is perhaps a joyful song of praise. He reveals glory and we respond with a life seeking to honor him. Words and deeds lived out as a humble offering before him. Worship takes so many different shapes and forms. It might express itself in songs or silence and through our thoughts, words, or actions. But the essence of worship is always a rhythm of revelation and response. We breathe in the wonders of God and we breathe out his praise. We catch a picture of him and we give our lives back to him. When worship's run dry, we can be sure the problem is at our end of the pipeline. It's not God's problem. His goodness and greatness reach us at every day. And the healthy heart of worship always finds a a way to reply. In this song that Matt wrote, the line that says, For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Of course, that number is actually a grand understatement. For there's an eternity of reasons why Jesus is so truly worthy of our highest devotion and praise and worship. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and to anchor into this song that's lifted right out of this passage in Psalm 103 and we're going to sing it like never before. We're going to sing it with a loud voice because of how good he is to us. Stand with me. I want to read these words to you and then the team's going to come. We're going to sing it together. The message says this from Psalm 103. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell. He saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. Anybody glad that he renews your youth? Come on. (laughs) It says you're always young in his presence. I love that's how he sees us. So as we stand and respond, let's, let's sing this like never before. Let's lift these words from Psalm 103 because we need these reminders together this morning. Will you join us as we sing? I love that song. I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite psalms in all the Bible, um, in, all, in all the book of Psalms. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. Um, if, you, if you don't know, uh, in the game of football, by the way, did we mention it's Super Bowl Sunday? 
Okay, good. Uh, just making sure. In the game of football, though, there, there's this thing called the 12th man. And uh, the 12th man is this interesting concept because in the game of football, by rule, there can only be 11 men on the field at one time. So how do you have the 12th man? The 12th man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Somebody's with me this morning. The 12th man, as they call it, is the fan in the stadium. The 12th man is you and me. And uh, our champion... Super Bowl 49 champion Seattle Seahawks have the loudest 12th man in the league as far as we know. So we're looking forward to what the 12th man is going to help them do today. But this is what happens when Wikipedia cites the 12th man. By the way, Wikipedia is a great source for most things. Just don't study the Bible from it. Here's what it says, though. The 12th man, as they call it, is the fan in the stadium. The presence of fans can have a profound impact on how the team performs. An element in the home advantage. Namely, the home team fans would like to see their team win the game. Thus, these fans will often create loud sounds or chants in hopes of distracting, demoralizing, and confusing the opposing team while they have possession of the ball. Or to persuade a referee to make a favorable decision. Noises are made by shouting, whistling, stomping, and various other techniques, which I think we've seen before. But, you know, I was thinking about this 12th man idea, and, uh, you know, literally, like, the Seahawks, I think the 12th man has helped them win some games, like some significant games over the past season. But I can't, I can't help but think that in the church, we need the 12th man a little more up in here. You and I need to begin to see each other in the fight that we're in together. I love what, what Ephesians says, and if you've got your, your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 6 says this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is what we're up against in this life. Our war, our struggle, our battle is not over pigskin. It's not over flesh and blood. But the Bible says that it's against the spiritual realm. This is what we're facing. This is why life sometimes can be so hard. And I think as we gather as a, as a group of, of people, a tribe of people committed to the mission of Jesus, we've got to show up to these truths and these realities when we choose to be here on the weekends. We've got to show up to the reality that the world is a hard place. So what if our decision to more fully engage in corporate worship each time we gather was rooted both out of our own personal need for Jesus and our need to worship him, but it was also out of the desperate need that the person two rows up from you and three seats down may need today to see your worship come alive because they need it more than you do. What if we could begin to see our environment here as the 12th man? And that we, when we engage, that breakthrough can happen for people in profound ways and maybe even for you. Years ago, um, there was a friend of mine here. He was actually in Phoenix, and he became a good friend and even mentor to me. And some of you may know him. His name is Matt Marr, and he's written a lot of great songs. Uh, but one of the songs is a song that over the years of my time here, we, we sang it a lot. We honestly probably sang it way too much because I liked it that much. It's a song called Your Grace is Enough. And the chorus just simply says, Your Grace is Enough. Your Grace is Enough. Your grace is enough for me. And if you talk to Matt about writing the song, it's an interesting story because when he writes the song, he's in this really dark season of his life. He's really having a difficult time, and, and yet these words just seem to bubble up on the page for him. And he would tell you that they were really difficult words to sing, difficult words to write. But one of the things that he began to 
realizes that maybe, just maybe, if I sing these words enough, and I, and I begin to believe these words as truth, the truth of the words would catch up to the condition of my heart. What if you looked at the songs you're singing each week here in this space as an opportunity for you to let the truth of the words catch up to the reality of your heart? Some of you are there. Some of you are tracking with Jesus and your grace is enough really makes sense. And, and yet there's some of you that can really relate to Matt. You're broken. You're hurting. You're confused. You're wondering, wondering where God is in the midst of your story and your circumstances. But I just want to tell you that God's trustworthy. And that the foundation of our worship has to be rooted in the power of God's promise or else we can easily be swept by the often difficult circumstances of our lives got to anchor in to the foundation of worship and the power of God's promise. In our passage, David, David sees through the pain of his past and his present circumstances and claims those promises of God in Psalm 103. If you've never studied the life of David, I think it's a great series and I just encourage you, go read the Psalms. Just if you survey David's life from the Psalms, you're going to see the ebb and flow of a guy that got broken and got lifted and got broken and got lifted. But all the way through his journey, God was with him. And if you're in a broken spot this, this afternoon as we gather, just know that God is with you in the midst of your brokenness. He's in the midst of your story, even now. You know, David understands the power of celebration. You can read that in the Psalms, but he also has a profound understanding for his capacity to miss the mark. David understood how easy it was for him to fall into to a life full of sin. And that apart from God, when he gets his eyes off the prize that he could make some really, really remarkable mistakes that ultimately would change the course of his life and his family. But God always has a redemption story. Some of you need to read Psalm 102 and you're relating to that idea of being broken this morning because the story you're living right now isn't a story of a life of celebration. You're really wondering where God is the passage just before this, Psalm 102, the, the title of it, at least in my Bible, is a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. That's right before what we just read. Like, I mean, he's down at the bottom. And then Psalm 103 is, some scholars would say that David was, was a lot older when he wrote, the, wrote that 103rd Psalm. And he's looking back into that life of affliction. He's looking back into his mistakes and his ability to miss the mark. And he's reminding himself of how good God is. Psalm 103, verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. You will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth. Some of you need to hear this this morning. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There's nothing you can, that you can do to outrun the love of God. And it doesn't matter if what you did, a decision you made or a circumstance you find yourself in was this as recent as last night or this past week or this month or this last season, there's a plan for you. And God's working a plan for you. And at the center of it all is his love. So there's only love this morning. There's no shame. There's no guilt. As long as you'd come before God this morning, maybe broken like David with a lament, a song at the end of yourself. 
So I want to encourage you as we move into an interactive time of response through worship and song and, and prayer. We're going to give you a few ways to do that, but some of you may need to just spend some time crying out to God, letting the tears come, finding yourself at the end of yourself so that the grace of God can meet you in your brokenness this morning. Some of you need that more than ever. Some of us have lost the, the passion that we once had for how Jesus affected our lives so many years ago. You've been following Jesus for a long time. And maybe in the moments that we share together here in just a few minutes, it's just as simple as you coming back and recognizing who you are and how lost you are without him and letting the story fall fresh on you again as we sing. Standing in awe of who God is, revering him for who he is and how worthy he is of your life. Some of the situations are eating you alive and just crying out about it isn't going to be enough. But you need to tell someone. The Bible is full of this, this, this idea of us confessing our sins. Some of you this morning need to tell somebody you're with, hey, I'm really, I'm struggling in this area of my life. Some of you need to tell somebody. Some of you maybe just need to say before God, whatever that thing is, and just say, God, you know my frame. It's not hidden from you. You know what's going on in my life. And I'm here this morning saying, I confess my sin. I confess how I missed the mark because I want to be tracking with you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Some of you need to confess this morning. I want to point us to three ways in which we can engage in this next segment of time as we have an, a more of an interactive time of worship. It's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to, but I promise you're going to love it. And I think God showed up in a powerful way in these moments that we've shared together all morning. Powerful stories coming from what's about to happen for us here. You know, maybe life is really good for you. Maybe you are in that season where you're up and you're, you've got perspective and you're, you're, you're celebrating all of the goodness of God. You can really sing that song, 10,000 Reasons, with, with joy in your heart this morning. And so, sing. Do it. But maybe part of why you're here is to be that 12th man for somebody else who doesn't have the capacity this morning to sing. Maybe you're here to sing a little louder for somebody else. Maybe you know of a situation, a coworker, or a neighbor, a family member, going through some stuff that you know without God, they're not going to get through it. It's going, to be, it's going to be a long road. And maybe you sing these words as a prayer this morning, not for yourself, but for that other person. And you channel your worship as intercession, as prayer. There's a song that's going to call us uh, in, in our time together here to lift our hands. And I always think it's really interesting when a song calls us to lift our hands, and I realize there's people in this room that are all across your, the spectrum of, of discovery in terms of where you're at with knowing Christ in your life. But for those of us that know, for those of us who have experienced the transformational work of Jesus, I always think it's interesting when a line like we're about to sing comes along and we don't respond to it. And this is totally the worship guy in me just talking for a minute. But this idea that God sends his only son to the earth to live a perfect holy life. And then after living a perfect holy life, he, he, he goes to a cross for you and for me. Spreads out his arms 
so that our sin could be taken up on that cross so that we wouldn't have to take our own sin on. And then three days later, gives us the hope and the promise of resurrected life, giving us a hope for our future. And sometimes we get to a song like we're about to sing, and, and it calls us to stand with arms high and hearts abandoned. And we sometimes forget that that's the extent of his love for us. He's given us everything. And this morning, maybe I could call you to another place of understanding the weight of what he's given you and letting it show up even in your physical posture and responding to those, those words and actually seeing your hands. What if our hands were symbols of our lives this morning? I grew up in a Baptist church, and so um, it was like anybody who was lifting their hands was like, that guy's a little kooky. But I've come to discover over the years of following Jesus that there is such a freedom to the physical expression of worship in our gathering spaces together. And so I want to invite some of you, maybe even for the first time, to begin to see your hands in the worship space. Or maybe it's somebody else that's lifting your hand and, and, and lifting their hand, and you could just begin to see them and say, man, isn't it amazing? God's affected their life. Our hands are symbols of our lives, surrendered before God. And that we could sing with that kind of heart this morning. I want to invite you to lift your hands as we sing that. And then you've got a rock on your way in. And the idea of the rock is that we let the rock rep represent something that we're laying down before God. It's literally an offering of worship this morning to lay down whatever it is. It might be, some, it might be a, a represent, representative of, of a praise, of something that you're celebrating. Or it could be your brokenness. There's all kinds of things it could mean this morning, but I want to encourage you to just begin to think, what is it that I need to bring as an offering this morning? And let that rock represent it. For some of you, that'll be a huge step just to lay something down this morning. And what if our worship, what if our worship could come alive together in these moments that we share? So Father, help us now as we look to your word and so we spent some time thinking about these concepts and these ideas. If we, as we've looked at the life of David, a, a man that is so unlikely to be the king, and yet we look at his life and the mistakes that he's made, and yet you position him for unbelievable opportunity to partner with you in your kingdom. That same invitation is ours this morning, and we want to be the kind of worshipers that David was. We want a community of people this morning gathered around these thoughts and ideas that are unashamed to cry out when we need to, that are constantly in awe, that are unafraid to confess our sin to one another and to you, and that aren't afraid to lift our hands to a God who's worthy, to say, here are our lives. We're bowing them before you, surrendered. Jesus, meet us now by your spirit in this place as we sing songs of worship, and may we pray these songs as our prayers. And it's in your name. Come on, church. Are you grateful for his grace? Are you grateful for the mercy? Are you grateful for his love this morning? There's so much freedom in his name. There's so much freedom in his grace. There's so many reasons why you should come every week and gather and do that. There's so many reasons that we need a Savior. And this morning, I just want to send you with the idea that Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl worship doesn't just have to be on Super Bowl Sunday. 
And we can take this. And we can wake up tomorrow and realize that our worship is better seven days a week more than one day. That tomorrow is as important as what we just did together. That our gathering isn't, it, it's not any better. That our worship is our life. This concept of Romans 12 and, and Paul's reminding us that we're to live a life of worship. And so really the mission starts now. It's easy to worship here, but it's a lot harder when we leave the doors and go out to the city and to these places, our workplaces and our neighborhoods and the complex families you may find yourselves in and to live out a life of worship before God. But this is the call. This is our hope. This is our prayer is that you'll leave this place today having a better understanding of worship and that 2015 would be the, the most electric year of encountering God in the gathering space as you gather each year, each week here in this house. That this would be an incredible year of seeing God show up in a powerful way. I want to say just thanks for letting me be here today. It's been such an honor to be with you and, and the team here. Say thanks to your team. You guys are amazing. We got Mike down here from the Scottsdale campus. He's fired up with his bow tie. So good. David, thank you for your leadership. Zorn and the team. You guys, just uh, you're in an amazing church. As you leave this place, I'd love to pray for you. Father, thank you for these people, my friends. Thank you that we can be connected. We can be connected because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for that hope. And now as we leave this place and go to live on mission for you, I pray that we would live bold lives of worship. I pray that this house, as they gather, as this community of people following you and striving to be more like you, Jesus, as they worship in this coming year, it would be the most amazing year of worship they've ever seen. That they would encounter you in ways they never thought possible. God, may the, the world know of your love because we were affected by it and we live lives of worship. So we, get, we go now to live on the mission. We thank you that you're with us as we leave this place. We pray for the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, everybody said. If you need prayer, we'll be down here at the front. God bless you guys.